0: This is Talkback, 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309.
1: This is News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. KGVO missoula's news and weather station
2: hey welcome everybody it is the tuesday february 6th edition of talk back and talk back this morning on this foggy foggy morning is brought to you by y west storage out of the y on two smokes way if you need storage here's what you do call 406-510-0590 because at y west they're making room for you phillips janitorial of course where they offer both residential and commercial cleaning for your home or your business no job too big or small so feel free to give them a call today at 260-6617 gomers u.s diesel parts no matter how cold it gets gomers has exactly what you need to make sure your rig starts every single day uh, come rain or shine or snow Gomer's U.S. Diesel Parts and Service at Palmer and West Broadway and by Harrington Surgical Supply. Appointments are preferred for mastectomy fittings and custom compressions, but walk-ins are always welcome. The views and opinions expressed on TalkBack are not those of the staff, management, or advertisers. Well, good to have you along this morning, ladies and gentlemen. It's TalkBack, and it's uh, it's open phones for just a little while. We have a special guest coming into the studio here in just a few minutes to talk about Run Wild Missoula and the Missoula Marathon. Tricia Dobeck is uh, going to be paying it her annual visit. Nick, good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. All right, so uh, <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what to think. <laughs> I'm looking out the... Out my patented by my former patented exclusive weather window, it's frosty. It's uh, the fog is beginning to develop, and I'm not sure exactly what's happening. Uh, we're kind of stuck in limbo here. Uh, it's still officially winter, but who knows? I have no idea.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just go with the flow, yes, we do anyway, but uh anyway, so uh, what 's on your mind this morning? if you have something going on, you ought to give us a call seven two one twelve ninety or one eight hundred five six eight five three zero nine Yes, uh, the Missoula Marathon is coming up uh, june twenty ninth and thirtieth, and I have participated in several, uh not marathons, of course, uh, the best I could do is just uh, the five k but it 's so much fun and it is such an it 's become an iconic a summer event uh, for Missoula. It's, uh, again, coming up June 29th and 30th. And uh, uh, we are going to have Tricia coming in here in just a few minutes. So there she is. Yeah. Well, we'll get you on just a second, Tricia. All right. uh, You know, uh, but but the phone lines are open. Whatever might be on your mind for the next few minutes. We're going to have Tricia on from 810 till 820. And then uh, more open phones until 8.30. And then at 8.30, it is uh, one of the more impactful shows that we have on Talk Back. It's called Global Hotspots. Dr. Michael Mayer will be here in the studio with us. Uh, Dr. Kia uh, on the phone talking about what's going on around the world. Always sparks some very interesting conversation. So we're looking forward to that. Again, that's coming up at 8.30. This morning, but right now for another two minutes we have open phones. If there's if
3: there's something on your mind, uh, give us a call. I would just take our break, quick like then, a bunny. Okay, yeah, all right, and then we could spend some more time with Trisha. I mean, just since we don't have any calls right now, and then we'll have open phones from eight twenty to eight thirty. So if someone's right. really dying to get a comment or, or something in in that little ten minute window. Uh, Let's have them call then so that we have more time with Tricia. Spoken like a true professional (laughs) producer.
2: Okay, we're going to come right back uh, right after this with Tricia, so stay with us.
0: Dennis Bragg with your forecast update from the Town Square Weather Center. Mostly cloudy today with a high just over 40 degrees. We do have a system moving into the northern Rockies tonight, which could produce some rain and snow showers into Wednesday. Then a 50% chance of snow showers Wednesday evening, backing off as we get into Thursday morning. Accumulations in the valleys will be light, but a few inches of snow are possible in the upper Clark Fork and the Blackfoot, mainly in the higher elevations. Colder to end the week with highs just over freezing and lows in the 20s. Okay, we are back on Talk Back.
2: 721 is our number. one eight hundred five six eight five three zero nine. 568 5309 We are privileged to have with us in the studio Trish Dobeck. Welcome back. Good to have you with Drobeck. Drobeck. Thank There's you. an R in there. Thank you. <laughs> Trish, it's written right there. I see it. Tricia Drobeck, with uh, Executive Director of Run Wild Missoula. And of course, Run Wild Missoula is the, the overall uh, overarching sponsor of the Missoula Marathon, which is coming up June 29th and 30th this year. That's right. All right. So first of all, welcome.
4: Thank you. All right. Good
2: morning. Now, the first thing that you did when you came in the door just to, just a second ago was to say, "I got to tell people what's going on with the bridge." Oh no! So, so, <laughs> okay, so yes. so obviously the half marathon and the marathon depend on the, the McClay Bridge. Correct. Well, there ain't no more McClay Bridge. So <laughs> so tell us, uh, what, what's the status?
4: Sure, so um, we are, just like all of the residents out in that area, waiting to hear um, if temporary repairs can be done to the bridge, and if that is feasible when those repairs could be done. Um, so pending that, you know, that works out, then we can use the bridge, but probably a more likely scenario is that all of that is going to take a lot longer than the next four months and we'll have to do some kind of reroute or... Um, perhaps get real creative and see what we can come up with. We
2: could with a just giant trapeze across the river.
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or do, I know. One the,
2: do one of those rope walking bridges. Yeah. Across.
4: Yeah. A raft flotilla <laughs> might, might be interesting. Well, that,
2: that would be interesting. Yeah. yeah just like a ferry service. I'd like
4: to see our wheelers get across that. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yes. What? Well, well, how about a ferry service? Sure. Yeah. With the rope, the whole yeah, thing. Yeah. Well, that might take a little extra time, right? But we're just trying to be creative here, right? But uh, but obviously, um, uh, one one would think that foot traffic would no be nowhere near as. As impactful as like heavy trucks or, or right. cars, right? Yeah. But uh, are are you are is uh, Shane Stack and the, the <laughs> wonderful folks at, at Missoula County are they appealing to the state to allow maybe perhaps a waiver for the race?
4: Well, I don't think waivers are okay. o- an option. Right. D- I've asked. Um, okay, <laughs> but I'm sure you have. Know. I mean, I think I think having a pedestrian and bike uh, and bicycle, you know, open. Um, opening on the bridge would, would be optimal for us. But at the moment, the state has said that it's not even uh, able to to handle that. And I do know that um, the McClay uh, Bridge Alliance is looking to get some of those engineering documents to make sure that is in fact the case. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of things happening there. And I'm just staying on the fringes. And uh, I'm just going to you know, prepare for the worst and hope for the best. But ultimately what makes the Missoula marathon is the people of Missoula. So, you know, we could be probably running on the worst part of, you know, down the railroad tracks or something, you know, I don't know. And people would still come out and cheer and smile and be friendly and helpful. And I don't know if, you know, like, I, I don't think the participants would be you know denied too much if if we had to reroute I mean the whole town's beautiful right Absolutely. maybe we'll just see a different part
2: and and you also you have already overcome challenges with with the Higgins now Bear tracks bridge for for several years right yes. the, yeah. th- that that was difficult but now that's been restored sure
4: yep oh. in in the Battle of Trisha versus bridges it's I'm Owen three <laughs> so you know <laughs> it's um yeah I mean it's it's part of a event management you know this you kind of i'm always going to be thrown a curveball you know it's never going to be easy or perfect and i have an amazing committee of 30 members who volunteer their time by Mm -hmm. the way they work for free um and so we'll get it figured out all right
2: so now now we've talked about that but let's talk about the event itself It, it is it is an entire weekend of events all rolled into one so take us through that
4: Sure. So we open Friday at 4 p.m., which is the 28th of June. And we get kicked off with an amazing expo. Last year, we had over 40 vendors down there. Tons of stuff happening. Um And then at 6 p.m., we have our world famous uh, Missoula Marathon beer run, which is free, open to anybody. You don't have to register. Um You do have to be 21 to drink a beer, though, afterwards. Um We do a very casual 5K. We have um, people guide them around the visitors and show them the town. The expo goes till 8 p.m. And then the next morning we get up, we do the uh, Tony Banovich 5K, which it sounds like perhaps you um, are going to be. My are,
2: wife and I will endeavor to be a part of that.
4: Great. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We're excited to have you. And um, and then, then we have also the world-famous Missoula Marathon Kids Run, um, which I believe Z100 sponsors and... Um, <clears throat> It's,
2: I understand it, Chris Wolf is the biggest kid of all.
4: <laughs> really? Yeah, he's our lead, our lead horse. Um, yeah, uh, so that's an awesome time. We've got about 500 kids in their capes, their superhero capes, running down the river. Um, we hope to have Monty there this year. Paxton from Paddleheads always comes out. And the kids just go bonkers, and it's super fun, and the parents get to watch them. And then we continue the expo until 4 p.m., and then everybody has to go to bed very early because... Uh, both the half marathon and the marathon start the next morning at 6 a.m.
2: Now uh, I'm, I'm sure that uh, the, one of the things that you're very good at is communications. So I know the moment you have some sort of solution lined up for what's going to happen with the half and the full marathon regarding the bridge, that it'll go up in lights and banners and, and you know skyrockets and all that. People will know uh, in every imaginable communication venue yes, uh, yes. exactly what's going to be happening That's as soon true. as possible.
4: Yes, I promise. Scouts honor. Yeah. <laughs>
2: But uh, let, let's put it this way. In the immortal words of someone, we're working on it. That's right. All That's right. right. All right. So, and anything else? That, how, how do people sign up? Where Where do they do Sure. Uh, to register?
4: So, um, you can go to our website, which is MissoulaMarathon.org, or you can visit us on social, um, which uh, currently we're doing an amazing giveaway um, on social media right now on Instagram, which is at Missoula marathon. Um, it's called our besties running package. You get a couple nights stay at the DoubleTree, a free rental from Young Mazda for the weekend, uh, some gift cards downtown to Runner's Edge and um, downtown gift cards, and then best of all, your own VIP porta potty at the start, which <laughs> priceless. I mean, let's be real.
2: <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it, it is one of the unique social. Experiments, uh, maybe about fifteen twenty minutes before the races start, the lines begin to form in front of it. Uh, I, I, you go no, you go ahead. You have you've got a child. You go ahead. I'll, I'll wait for the next one. You know, I mean, there there there's a lot. There's um, a lot of
4: nerves. a Lot yeah, of coffee. Yeah, exactly. A, yeah,
2: and and people, uh, you find out how nice they are.
4: That's right. And
2: the and Missoulians are nice. <laughs> but
4: right. it would be nice to have your own toilet. Yes. <laughs> Let's be yes. real. <laughs> yes,
2: absolutely. All right. Well, it's always a pleasure having you. Thank you. Thank Thank you uh, for, for sharing all that, and and please keep us informed, especially us in the news department, because that will be a, that will be a very big one. Yes, um, yep, it'll be a huge. Yeah, headline. I'll come
4: back and let everybody know. Please, I'd love that.
2: Please do. It's a pleasure, ma'am.
4: Thanks, guys.
2: Tricia drobeck Thank you. All right, run wild, Missoula. We're going to take a little break. We have more, and I mean more of open phones on the way. In the next ten minutes or so, and then it'll be uh, it'll be global hotspots with our friends, Doctor Michael Mayer and Doctor Mirdad Kia. Um, There's lots going on around the world right now, and especially as the United States and Iran and all that's going on right now, we'll be able to get uh, from folks who know the area and know exactly what's going on. So we'll get to that uh, starting at 830 this morning. But right now, it's time for open phones. So give us a call at 721-1290. We'll be right back.
5: All right, crew, let's get her done.
2: brought to you by Common Ground Alliance.
7: Are you looking for more in this world? Are you ready for something bigger? Then we are looking for you. The big-hearted, the bold, the messy, and the gutsy. The teachers, the growers, the builders. The skilled, the sharers, the change makers. We need you. We are the Peace Corps. In more than 60 countries, we go all in and all out. We are volunteers, partners, communities working together, living together. Bringing our experience, passion, and joy to building a better world together. From tackling climate change in Mexico to keeping kids healthy in Kenya. From sustainable farming in the Philippines to education in Kosovo. We learn more, give more, share freely, and serve boldly. Are you ready to tackle the tough stuff? go the distance to make a difference? Then we have a place where you belong. Join us at PeaceCorps.gov. Children are the greatest joy and our best hope for a better future. Friends, they are the future. But did you know that millions of kids are facing hunger every day? Food is not just food. It's energy, health, confidence, hope, and even love. Yes, love. Learn more about how No Kid Hungry is helping end child hunger in America at helpnokidhungry.org.
6: We all know the sounds of stress, but you may not know that your daily stress can affect you physically. Stress can give you sleepless nights, a pounding headache, stomach pains, or worse. If you've lost a job, worry about your next meal, or having trouble making it through the day... We can help. Text STRESS to 211211
8: to find a solution.
9: All right, we're back on Talkback
2: 721-1290. That's our number, 1-800-568-5309. Uh, interesting conversation there, Nick, with uh, with Trisha Drobeck. Specifically regarding the McClay Bridge, uh, I, I wonder how many people realized. Well, of course, the folks in Runwild Missoula knew immediately <laughs> what yeah. was happening as soon as they uh, they closed the bridge down. Aside from the uh, the problems that have come uh, come from uh, residents in the area not being able to use the bridge and having to go around and extend their their morning commute by several miles. Um, so uh, so far, when Shane Stack was here a little while ago along with the county commissioners they were talking about the fact that hey they're, they're doing everything they can to try to figure out a way to uh, rebuild the bridge but it's going to cost
3: millions yeah, like 28 million you know, 29 million like yeah, it, yeah. It,
2: originally uh, they thought it was going to be like 12 or 13 million but now it's up into the 20 million dollar range and of course the only people that have that money are the federal government <laughs> yeah right and they don't really have it either they're just <laughs> borrowing it from <laughs> From all of
3: us, from our our descendants to come. So, yeah, I remember Shane said it's gonna they're gonna rely on grants, obviously. But um, yeah, because I I, I want to make sure I kind of get these numbers right if I remember right. But I think he said you know each year their uh, infrastructure budget is only like one or two million dollars. So right. it's like if exactly. you have a $30 million project, that's not really going to work. Can so. we Can we just save up for 30 years? Sure. Because <laughs> we're so good at saving, right? Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or
2: perhaps we could just take out a, a $30 million loan sure. and pay it off. Yeah. Um, what do you think, Mike?
7: <laughs> what, <it's> millennium? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. But that's just one of the, the, of the many wrinkles that goes into this whole infrastructure argument. And I know that uh, when Shane was here, one of the things that he emphasized, uh, as did the county commissioners, that um, uh, infrastructure... See, it, first of all, infrastructure is the least sexy thing you can do with public money, Right. I mean, uh, the, like the bridges and the roads and all, all that sort of thing. It's, it's not as exciting and glittery as uh, maybe a new stadium or, or whatever it might be. But if, you don't, bridges, uh, yeah, if you don't have bridges, and if you don't have roads, you're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think the as as Shane said, the uh, the pigeons have come home to roost um, when it comes to infrastructure, because the Boy Scout Bridge up in Sealy Lake has the same problem. Right, and uh, there, and of course, there are bridges all over all over Montana, eastern Montana, in, in the smaller uh, counties. The bridges are failing, and those bridges are vital for communication for all the people that live there. And it's it's not just an inconvenience; it it could be a disaster in, in uh, you know in the offing. So, and I remember also uh, when Yellowstone flooded, that that entire bridge washed away. That had to be replaced as well, and so. Anyway, so on we go. We do have a call. Oh, nope, we don't have a caller. Okay, Meerdad's on the line. We're going to get him on here in just a second. We're going to go ahead and take our break right now. Uh, 721-1290 is our number, 1-800-568-5309. When we come back, we'll have global hotspots. Uh, Dr. Michael Mayer here in the studio, Dr. Meerdad Kia will be joining us on the phone. And we're going to come right back after this brief timeout. So
0: stay with us.
3: Hey, Jeff, do you have a question?
0: Dennis Bragg with your forecast update from the Town Square Weather Center. Mostly cloudy today with a high just over 40 degrees. We do have a system moving into the northern Rockies tonight, which could produce some rain and snow showers into Wednesday. Then a 50% chance of snow showers Wednesday evening, backing off as we get into Thursday morning. Accumulations in the valleys will be light, but a few inches of snow are possible in the upper Clark Fork and the Blackfoot, mainly in the higher elevations. Colder to end the week with highs just over freezing and lows in the 20s. Welcome back, everyone. It is a Talk Back,
2: and it's uh, time for Global Hotspots right now. Nick and standing by, taking, uh, ready to take Can your phone awesome. calls at uh, 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. Joining us here in the studio this morning, we have Dr. Michael Mayer, from, uh, retired from the University of Montana uh, Department of History. And also joining us on the phone right now is Dr. Myrdad Kia, still uh, a, a part of the faculty at the University of Montana. Again, uh, a very popular history professor. Sir and gentlemen uh, global hotspots uh, the, the the definition of global hotspots is going on right now uh, in the Middle East with uh, Iran and uh, seeming a proxy war against the united states so gentlemen uh, take us take us away what 's going on
10: Good morning to you, Peter, and good morning to Nick and thank you for having us and good morning to my good friend and colleague Professor Michael mayer um, really uh, uh an issue that is very interesting it's only a, a few months ago that we were all talking about the war in ukraine and now we are all talking about the 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 war in the middle east or the possibility of even a greater confrontation between iran and the united states uh... which should tell you something that uh, this conflict in the middle east uh, was basically created by Iran to a large degree uh, with its uh, support or proxy network, Hamas. And it had the blessing of Russia and China uh, because it uh, sort of diverted the attention from Ukraine into a new war zone in which United States this time had to become involved or uh, engaged. I think a lot of people are wondering probably whether uh, this will escalate to a full-fledged war between Iran and the United States. And I guess uh, part of the discussion today will be that. Um, uh, But let me just say, and I I would just uh, go quiet after that and pass it to Mike, uh, is, you know, I want to remind um, folks on both sides of the divide, Democrats and Republicans, about two other <clears throat> alternatives when you are dealing with a rogue state like Iran um, and uh, how we have responded so far, really, we have bombed targets, but everybody knows this, these these are not serious operations against Iran. Uh, we could have done a much greater damage, of course to the iranian uh, revolutionary guards and to the iranian government and the reasons why we are not doing it we can discuss it but let me give you an example example on the democrat side i take you to march nineteen ninety nine uh... to june nineteen ninety nine when a democrat president president bill clinton uh... in collaboration with uh, the north atlantic treaty organization nato carried out aerial bombing campaign against the Federal Republic of Yugoslavia, uh, i.e. Serbia, during the Kosovo War. And uh, it, it did such a damage to the Serbian uh, armed forces and economy that Serbia surrendered, uh, basically, within weeks. Uh, to the Republicans, I want to remind them of another, this was the Democrats as an example. Uh, there was a <clears throat> United States uh, Air Force, Navy, and Marine Corps carrying out airstrikes, code name Operation El Dorado Canyon, against Libya on April, in April 1986 during the presidency of Ronald Reagan, in retaliation for the West Berlin. There was a discotheque bombing. Uh, a few days earlier, and uh, this uh, attack on, uh, on uh, Libya included attacks on the tent, the tent in which the Libyan leader, uh, Muhammad Gaddafi, uh, spent some time in. And this will tell you why Libya uh, did not act as a, as, a, as a rogue state for a long time to come after that and that tells you why there are attacks and there are attacks and uh, so i just gave you the two examples previously by a democrat president and a republican president to say that there are many ways of retaliating uh, if you really mean business
2: all right uh, gentlemen we do have a caller on the line right now this is nancy nancy good morning you're on talkback on uh, global hotspots please go ahead
8: Good morning, and uh, this is a fascinating and also tragic subject. Um, uh, The United Nations, I've always had doubts about uh, that organization, and now we know and we've heard uh, evidence that there were some uh, members of the UN that helped uh, Hamas attack Israel. And I want to talk about these constant wars. Uh, The military-industrial complex, I believe that they uh, destroy, of course, the earth, the soil, water... And it seems like the four emergencies that the United Nations are constantly talking about are Central African Republic, the Iraq, South Sudan, and Syria. And uh, they're constantly wanting more and more financial help. But I don't see how financial aid... that. Uh, goes into the billions and billions and billions is going to help these emergencies if we continue uh, these terrible, terrible military attacks on one another uh, globally. And I agree with you. I believe this can be solved politically without uh, a shot of a gun. But I'm telling you, we're at the uh, edge of uh, a brink of World War III with this Biden administration. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on this uh, this morning, gentlemen. Thank you so much.
2: Nancy, thanks for the call. Gentlemen, please go ahead. Mike. well, go ahead. yeah
11: sorry. Whoops. Are we on? Yes, sir. Um, I, I'd like to uh, elaborate just a bit on on Nancy's comment. Uh, what she's referring to is the twelve employees of the United Nations Relief and Works Agency um, are are alleged to have and, and really known to have taken part in the October seven attacks on Israel, um, including members who took part in in rape and kidnapping. Uh, the U.N. fired them three months later, um, and uh, nine of them were terminated. Uh, two were killed, and one um, uh, is uh, – we don't know. Um, but a number of members of UNRWA or UNRWA uh, have suspended their contributions, and that includes England, the United States, uh, Finland, Italy, and a, a number of other mostly Western countries. Um, and I think it's also important to realize that over over a number of years, those UNRWA funds went to build Hamas's tunnels, uh, went to uh, pay for anti-Semitic and uh, textbooks to be used in the West Bank and Gaza. Um, and the United States is the largest donor to, to that agency. Uh, $340 million of U.S. taxpayer money went to that agency in 2022. And there have been calls for reform in that agency for many, many years. And not much has happened. Uh, maybe this will be the, the trigger for something.
2: Is that money still going in from the United States? Well, no. The United States has suspended contributions, the, yeah, as
11: yeah. as have most of the major Western countries. Right.
2: Mayor Dad, we have a minute before we take a break. Uh, uh, would you like to reserve comment until after the break?
10: Yeah, let's go for the break because I agree with what Mike just said. and. I think it's, it's shameful what has happened, and it shows that this money was being funneled without any supervision or any accountability of any sort.
2: Okay, with that, we're going to take a break. All of our other phone lines are open. Uh, calls are coming in right now, 721-1290, 568 5309 Global hotspots will continue until ten o'clock this morning, and uh, we're just uh, focusing on the the hottest spot. If you would, would be right there in the Middle East. We're going to come right back with more right after this. Hey, welcome back. This is Talkback seven two one twelve ninety is our number. It's uh, global hotspots going on right now. Uh, Doctor um, Doctor Michael Mayer here in the studio. Doctor Mirdad Kia uh, is on the phone, and I do believe we have Emmett. Who has been waiting the longest? Amit, good morning. You are on Talk Back for Global Hotspots. Go
12: ahead, please. Oh, thanks for taking my call. Well, my question is this. On Fox News, they briefly mentioned something which was very concerning. I wanted more information about it. They said that there is a possibility. You know, we all know that Iran has wanted a nuclear weapon and has a nuclear weapon. They're trying to build something. But a commentator said that perhaps that Iran could have a nuclear weapon as early as six months from now. Have you heard anything about this? Is this absolutely true or not, or is that just mere speculation? If we're on a countdown from six months from today, and they'll have a nuclear weapon, they'll use it against the United States or Israel. Other nations ought to retaliate, get involved with their nukes, and it's mm-hmm. it's World War Three, the annihilation of nations. Um, What do you think? I know they want a nuclear weapon, but are they going to get one in the next six months? Or was that speculation by someone on Fox News?
2: Let's uh, let's let him him answer that question. Thank you for the call, Emmett. Appreciate it. Yeah, good, Very good question. Gentlemen, uh, go ahead. uh, Mirdad.
10: Yeah, so um, I I have bad news for Emmett. Actually, it's much shorter than six months. Mm. Uh, We have had uh, reports that would say that Iran is almost there. Uh, within weeks, and uh, uh, one report says less than a month. The the one that uh, I looked at, and uh, the the issue is that they're very close, and uh, uh, the the only I think issue that they are having now is <clears throat> the weaponized version needs to be uh, placed on you know sort of. Uh, what they call the ballistic missile system and uh it's the weaponization that they're still that they are working right now on it uh but i have to tell you uh the very passive you know reaction from washington uh frightens me in this case especially this is a country uh where a religious fanatic uh, rules it with uh his supporters and uh any form of development of uh, full-fledged weaponized nuclear capability will result into a regional mess. Uh, Saudi Arabia, Turkey, uh, the two of those two especially, but maybe even Egypt will try to develop it as well, and you're going to have a a regional, really, conflict uh, uh, which will make uh, a regional war very possible, with United States being involved directly.
2: Now, I wanted to ask you. I remember in in, in years past when we have talked about Israel, and of course they they have they have uh, eyes and ears inside Iran. Uh, you have said that there are there have been all sorts of different efforts throughout the years to try to capture some of these people who are involved in this, to try to uh, uh, to circumvent the uh, creation of of a nuclear weapon uh, so much so that uh, perhaps even a first-strike capability just to wipe that out could be possible. Now, uh, what uh, you would probably know better than anyone, uh, are are there any efforts right now? I know Israel is on heightened alert as well.
10: Israel has been on very, uh, very uh, anxious and uh, very worried state for many years now. But I think more recently I see more activities on the part of Israel to uh, assess uh, the the real uh, level of uh, weaponization that Iran is undergoing. And I have to tell you that um, that we in this country we take a very different approach. We say what well, Israel is in close proximity to Iran for Israel it's existential. For United States, it's not the geography, the distances, and so on and so forth. This is actually a justification for inaction. Uh, I see this not only as existential for Israel, but also for the entire region, for Europe, but also, uh, you know, on the other side, aside from the nukes, uh, I think the challenge from Iran— Uh, building hundreds of mosques and uh, Islamic centers in Europe and United States and investing billions of dollars in terrorist networks it's actually a civilizational threat. Uh, I want to sort of put this as a, it's not just weaponry and uh, uh, military attacks it's also civilizational. They really want to Uh, annihilate the entire Western civilization if they could. With this kind of regime, we are now playing uh, a bit of footsie uh, because I think the Biden administration is worried about gasoline prices going up and uh, torching uh, the re-election bit. Uh, I think that's what uh, this administration is most worried about. The other issues come second and third.
2: All right, let's try to get another call in. This is uh, Dave. Uh, Dave, good morning. You're on Talk Back on Global Hotspots. Go ahead, please.
9: Yeah, I'd like to switch gears and talk about Russia and Ukraine for the moment. Um, in my view, there's you either are for Russia or for Ukraine. And, you know, the Tucker. Carlson is in Russia right now. He's a good friend of of uh, Trump's, and he's being treated like a celebrity. So he's picked the sides. He's, he is obviously on the Russian side. Now, and Trump, it appears, is on the Russian side, too. And I have two questions for you. Uh, first, uh, are you on the Russian side or on the Ukrainian side? And second question, uh, what would what would giving up on Ukraine and letting Russia take it mean... To China and and uh, its its plans.
11: All right, thanks for the call, Dave. Yeah. Mike, please. Yeah. Well, I think first of all, I think it's um, it's oversimplified to say that Trump is on the Russian side. Uh, Trump has said favorable things about Putin. He has not endorsed in any way the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine or the, the seizure of territory, and to be honest, I don't really have much of a clear idea about exactly what Trump's policy would be. I don't think he's really articulated a, 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 a clear policy on this. Um, uh, the effect of Ukraine being conquered to or losing a big chunk of its territory to Russia, I think, would be... Um, Unfortunate in many respects. One one of them, as as Dave said, would be on China. It would certainly embolden them, and they're they're constantly looking toward Taiwan. And as uh, people may know, the recent elections, uh, probably the most anti chinese communist candidate won those elections although his party he only got about i think it was 40% of the vote and his party does not control a majority of seats in the parliament so but um, it certainly has uh, that that election certainly is has, has given china yet another reason to feel grievance and to uh, and to start rattling sabers with that were gentlemen yeah, i, but, I can,
10: because um because Dave have as for personal opinion or personal commitments. I was uh, for Ukraine even before this war started. I was for Ukraine uh, when uh, Russia invaded Crimea during the presidency of uh, um, uh, Obama, and we didn't do anything about it. We basically uh, uh, declared that this was the back door of Russia. We didn't have any innate interest there. I was for reaction back then. I've always been with Ukraine, and I stand with Ukrainian people and their right to resist Russian aggression. And um, I actually have opposed, and I've stated it, uh, these moves by Tucker Carlson and like-minded people uh, who basically believe that this war is just useless and uh, we should just let Putin uh, get away with uh, the invasion. Uh, I'm fiercely opposed to that. And I am fiercely for us standing with the people of Ukraine and helping um, them defend their country and its independence.
2: Okay, with that, we're going to take a break. We have Jeff and Jerry both waiting to talk, uh, to share this morning on Global Hotspots. Several other phone lines open. It will continue until 10 o'clock this morning uh, talking about this area as well as others. We'll be back with more right after this. Hey, we are back on Talkback. 721 is our number, and we have about four minutes here. Uh, gentlemen, uh, Michael and Myrdad, and we have folks waiting on the line, so let's get Jeff on the line right now. Uh, Jeff, good morning. You are on Talkback, sir. What's uh, what's on your mind?
9: Hey, good morning. Uh, three things, really. First of all, uh, 100 years ago, we uh, tried to appease uh, Japan and Germany, and we see how well that worked out. So any efforts to appease Russia? I suspect, would have uh, equally successful results um, in Europe, and that's something we don't want to do. Um, regarding Iran, Iran and uh, nuclear weapons, um, there's three parts, and you hit on all three of them, but uh, the uh, enrichment of uranium-235, I've heard is just days away. They're already at 60%, yeah. which, is, which has met the threshold for weapons grade, and to get from 60 to 90 is not difficult. The other yeah. two parts are more difficult to actually build the uh, the bomb itself and then to mate it to an ICBM, which goes through yeah. a lot of stress. It's going to be the uh, – those are going to be the harder parts. But, uh, yeah, they're already well on the way. Um, yeah. But third of all, and I'd like to – I know it's global hotspots, but I consider the United States part of the globe, and so I'd like to talk about the southern border for a minute. And the fact that the Senate right now is trying to create more laws about – Um, restricting immigration on the southern border. And it really strikes me as ridiculous because 70 years ago, in 1952, over 70 years ago, the year I was born, uh, Congress passed the Immigration Naturalization Act. And in that act, it said that whenever the President finds that the entry of an alien would be detrimental to the interests of the United States, he may, by proclamation, suspend the entry of all aliens or any class of aliens as immigrants or non-immigrants. And impose any other restrictions he wants, he deems appropriate. And so we've had the law in effect for 70 years. There is no law that we need to pass. All we need to do for the southern border is enforce the laws we have. And what this is a political ploy if, if the Senate, if Congress fails to pass new laws, then uh, the administration can go back and say, well, we wanted to, but you see, Congress failed you. No. The president has the power. It's strictly a political act.
2: All right. Thank you.
11: Thanks for the call, Jeff. Uh, Gentlemen, your 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 response. Yeah. Well, I I think Jeff made some very very good points. Um, uh, Both about appeasement, uh, certainly about the um, the question of enrichment. The sixty to ninety percent is 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 a is, is a pretty straightforward matter. Um, but he's, he's absolutely right. Uh, making a, a usable bomb is more complicated and w- making it work on top of a, a system, a, a, probably a missile delivery system, is is still more complicated. And yet it's still close enough to be of concern. Um, the point about the southern border is, uh, is a good one. The laws are in effect. Um, the, the question is enforcing the laws that we already have. And the fact is the Biden administration has not thus far been willing to do so uh some people say that this new proposed um law out of the senate the the bill that's uh been put before the senate is uh would do that i don't think it necessarily would but the laws are on the books the question is 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 using them enforcing them mirada we have one minute go ahead sir
10: yeah no i completely agree and jeff's uh uh, all the all the points Jeff made are absolutely correct and right on the money. Uh, with the with the southern border, you know, it's my humble opinion that it's uh, merely a political uh, sort of move uh, to change uh, the voting balance in Texas and in some other uh, southwestern uh, you know states. I think, uh, you know, there are certain people on one side of the political spectrum who want to, you know, create a uh, more uh, Democrat-oriented Texas rather than a Republican, uh, the Republican one. and. I think this is uh, allowing all these people coming and saying. And we While are. There are no laws. There are many laws in the book, and they have to be enforced. We're
2: out of time. We'll be back after the top of the hour.
10: This is TalkBack, 721
0: 1290 or 1 800 568 5309.
1: This is NewsTalk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM, KGVO. Missoula's News and Weather Station. Hey, welcome back,
2: everyone. Hour number two of Talk Back for this Tuesday, February 6th underway. Brought to you by Gomer's U.S. Diesel Parts. But how cold it might get, Gomer's has just what you need to make sure your rig starts every single morning. They're located at Palmer and West Broadway, Gomer's U.S. Diesel Parts and Service. Y-West Storage out at the Y on Two Smokes Way for pricing and availability for storage. 406-510-0590. Y-West, making room for you. Harrington Surgical Supply, where their mission remains the same, to restore confidence and comfort into your daily daily life, and also brought to you by Phillips Janitorial. Your home or your business, or your home and your business, they do it all. And your satisfaction 100% guaranteed. 406 260 6617. The views and opinions expressed on TalkBack are not those of the staff, management, or advertisers. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Glad to have you along. Global hotspots rolling right along this morning. Nick Christensen over there taking your phone calls. On the phone with us right now is Dr. Mirdad Kia uh, from the University of Montana here in the studio, Dr. Michael Mayer. And, gentlemen, we have uh, the, the phone lines are rapidly filling up for global hotspots, as it often does. And so I know you, you wanted to start off with an opening statement, gentlemen, or should we go directly to callers? Let's go directly to callers. Uh, Jerry has been waiting the longest. Jerry, good morning. You are on talk back. Please go ahead, sir.
9: Good morning, and it's a pleasure listening to you. I listen to your program just about every morning on your mobile app and, uh, while I'm out of town. But my question this morning is I, I believe that everything that Biden is doing is politically related. I read a post this morning that one of the reasons that he will not do anything against Iran, attack it either as oil refiners or anything else, Because he's afraid that anything he does will affect the price of gasoline and increase the price of oil before the elections, and that would be detrimental to any of his political plans. So I'd like to hear your response, maybe to that concern, and I'll listen to you off the air, Jerry. Thanks Thank for the call. Thank you very much for a great program.
11: I believe you've already covered yeah, that. Yeah, but, yeah right. But thanks, please go yeah, ahead. Well, and thanks, Jerry, for the for the comment. But uh, as Meredith made that point uh, a little earlier, and I think I, I think it's right. I think it's also true, and and Biden's not alone in this, but. He seems to be a particularly acute case of a president whose foreign policy is driven very powerfully by the domestic political um, consequences or implications. And it's especially true in an election year. But I, I, I mean, I think that his initial support for Israel was politically driven and his withdrawing some of that support from Israel is politically driven. And uh, it's just uh, it's. It's obviously not the most stable way to, to to run a foreign policy. And again, he's not he's not unique in that regard. Although he does seem to be a, an extreme case. Mirdad, did you want to comment?
10: Yeah, no. I as I mentioned earlier, I think uh, uh, the White House and in particular the president himself um, are very worried that um, uh, escalating and starting a broader war. Um, if he attacked Iran, uh, would basically, uh, you know, cause a major jump in uh, gas prices, and it will undermine his uh, re-election campaign. And, uh, of course, there are other issues. I think, ideologically, this administration um, comes from a position that uh, the Middle East, uh, in fact, is not, a place where the United States should become involved militarily, though it is, but it should contain rather than suppress. And uh, there there are a lot of people in the the background that we are not talking about. Uh, Let's talk about George Soros, for example, uh, and uh, some of, you know, people who actually believe in his line, such as our Secretary of State, Lincoln, such as the former envoy, for negotiations with Iran, Robert Mali. Uh, they basically believe that uh, the regime in Iran is more or less an anti-colonial, anti-imperialist, anti-American regime, which still enjoys a lot of popular support inside the country, though it might be a joke. There are folks, even in this town, uh, who believe that uh, individuals like Soleimani, who was killed by a drone, was a, a you know, popular man in Iran. You know. <laughs> It is nonsense, but anyway, there are people who basically use that line to say that we should not uh, engage in um, in you know military confrontation with Iran, and uh, we should more or less coexist with it and contain it. But I have to tell you uh, the way i 've seen this conflict escalate from a confrontation between um, between Hamas and Israel into who thinks in Yemen attacking uh, now international shipping, shipping lanes, uh, Hezbollah in Lebanon uh, escalating its attacks against Israel, even uh, Iran's proxies in Iraq uh, attacking now U.S. bases. Um, I don't think this policy of appeasement will work. And I, I call it a policy of appeasement because that's what it is. It's going to make the Iranian regime more brazen. Um so I I I am very worried about uh, this approach to foreign policy but who am I anyway
2: well, you're here on this program, and we appreciate your, your, your wisdom and the experience that you have when you're when you on sharing this with us. We appreciate it very much. We're going to take a break. Helena, Joe, and Nancy are all waiting to visit with you. This is Global Hotspots. We do have a couple more lines open if you'd like to get involved in our conversation. We'd love to have you. We'll be back right after this. You want the
0: best- Dennis Bragg with your forecast update from the Town Square Weather Center. Mostly cloudy today with a high just over 40 degrees. We do have a system moving into the northern Rockies tonight, which could produce some rain and snow showers into Wednesday. Then a 50% chance of snow showers Wednesday evening, backing off as we get into Thursday morning. Accumulations in the valleys will be light, but a few inches of snow are possible in the upper Clark Fork and the Blackfoot, mainly in the higher elevations. Colder to end the week with highs just over freezing and lows in the
2: 20s. Wow, global hot of. Very very hot show right now because all of our almost all of our phone lines are full with people wanting to comment on especially what's going on in the Middle East and of course our, our two experts here Dr Michael Mayer Dr Mirdad Kia uh, both waiting to comment as well Helena has been waiting the longest Helena good morning you're on Talkback please go ahead Ma'am
13: thank you for taking my call um, I had a question along the lines of what you've been discussing but I wanted to um, add a little more detail to my question. Um, I agree with your callers and your guest's opinion that um, the Biden administration makes uh, foreign policy decisions based on political criteria. That's my understanding of it, um, and I felt that way all of going back to the withdrawal from Afghanistan. That he didn't take military advice on that; he took political advice, and I, I think that's particularly troubling. My question has to do with the public what's presented for public consumption um from the biden administration seems very reluctant to hit uh iranian interests harder um on the other hand we see israeli uh military hitting you know preempt what i think of as preemptive strikes north of the border um hitting hezbollah in lebanon to prevent an escalation there um and I know when President Trump was in office, he liked to even brag about the cooperation between American and Israeli intelligence. Is it the opinion, of your guess, that some of that more aggressive military action may be expected of Israel behind the scenes while Biden continues to appear reluctant and more hesitant? Um, I hope that question makes sense,
11: and I, I'd like to hear what your guests have to say about it. Thank you for calling, uh, gentlemen. Please go ahead. It, it, it does yeah. make sense, yeah. yeah. Meredith. You go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead, Mike. Please. Uh, I, I was. I was just going to say. I think that. Uh, well, first of all, I'm not sure. I would call. I would call the uh, Israeli strikes against Hezbollah necessarily preemptive because Hezbollah is regularly launching rockets in, into Israel. Um, but I, uh, it's preemptive in terms of a, a, a major war, a major attack. Uh, and I, but I, I think there is an element of that. I in in this case, I, I think there there are reports that have been uh, have appeared in uh, in major media outlets of Biden's frustration with uh, Netanyahu, uh, the, the the prime minister of Israel, and his anger at Netanyahu and um, name calling and this sort of thing, at least in private. And um, so I, I wonder if the if the degree the degree of cooperation and intelligence I think the military is probably as close as ever. But I think that the um, the the kind of coordination that Helena described uh, as a possibility might be less likely with this administration than um, with with some other administrations in the past.
10: Um. So I I think that those are excellent comments by Mike. Uh, First of all, I I think if you want to understand where the Biden administration was just a short time before uh, Hamas attacked Israel on October 7, 2023, um um, go to uh jake sullivan's uh speech jake sullivan is national security advisor he is the brain uh, (laughs) behind the throne and he actually stated and i'm of course not quoting word by word that Middle East has never been as peaceful as it has been in the last 10 years I'm sorry I have to laugh uh, this is the brain you know that actually you know designs the US foreign policy in the Middle East it's, it's embarrassing you know this assessment that Middle East is in the meanwhile all the pots were boiling in the background and Hamas was actually preparing itself For a major attack, and Iran and Russia were uh, clapping in the background, you know, encouraging Hamas to, uh, you know, make the attack even more brutal and more, uh, more shocking. Whatever the case may be, when we come to uh, the today, I think what you have really is the United States uh, is playing uh, the good cop, bad cop. United States is behaving like a good cop it's actually giving five days in advance notice to iran before it takes any military action remember our three soldiers uh, were killed on a sunday and we didn't attack until friday saturday uh, which gave ample time to iran to actually withdraw all its commanders and top officers and take all the advanced technology they had from their bases and we kept on saying we are coming after you we are coming after you what is the biggest element in hitting and uh, putting your uh, your enemy on a defensive the element of surprise and of course the element of surprise never came and the iranians knew we were coming and they withdrew and what did we hit so far as i'm looking at it we have really hit empty depots and, you know, maybe some, uh, you know, uh, uh, staging ground for uh, missile attacks and so on and so forth with minimum, minimum impact on Iran's military infrastructure. Yeah, of course. Secondly, And I, and I need to add this. Uh, sorry, it's my, maybe long-winded. Go ahead. The media you know, especially encouraged by the Biden administration, keep on uh, referring to Houthis in Yemen or Hezbollah in Lebanon, the proxies, the proxies of Iran. What kind of proxy is it? Uh, They're funded by Iran. They're owned by Iran. They're trained by Iran. They are all Iranian branches of a military operation. Uh, This word proxy creates the illusion that they're somehow detached from Iran. They are all parts of the Iranian intelligence and military network.
11: Gotcha. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I was. I was uh, I, what Merida said, I think is 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 not is really important, and and also the the fact that um, the the Saudis were uh, were fighting against the the Houthis, and uh, the United States uh, discouraged them uh, in particularly as this administration came in from carrying on that that um, that effort. And part of that was because there were civilian casualties and so on. But um, and that was a point of friction between uh, the uh, the Saudis and the United States. And but that that effort largely evaporated the, the Saudi effort, and you see the consequences. And without general, we
10: actually removed the Houthis from the list of terrorist organizations.
2: Right. That that was a good uh-huh. move. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we're, we're, we're going to come right back we have Joe, Diane, Nancy and others waiting to visit with you gentlemen on Global Hotspots 721-1290 uh, is our number we'll return right after this and okay, we're back on Talk Back 721 is our number Global Hotspots rolling right along this morning lots and lots of input from our listeners and we really appreciate it Joe has been waiting the longest Joe good morning thanks for calling you're on please go ahead
5: Good morning. Yeah, uh, it's funny. Nobody ever talks about who Hunter Biden was uh, working for. You know, Burisma is an oil company, the uh, Chinese oil company or uh, energy company. And so the Biden family has been taking money and then Joe drops the sanctions on Iran and now they're up to $100 billion versus $4 billion under Trump with sanctions. And uh, <clears throat> so that's number one. And then that... I was going to mention about the uh, argument over Texas versus the United States and the uh, invasion term uh for the constitutionality of what Texas is doing and you know you look at the piracy that was going on in the 1700s those were non-state actors but <clears throat> and we have non-state actors at 9/11 by an example and so but we were invaded and uh, that's the argument. Uh, but I, I wouldn't doubt that the English and the Spanish probably gave safe harbor to those pirates that they preferred. And the money was fungible. So, uh, and number three, if, if you could talk a little about Jimmy Carter, Cyrus Vance, and Andrew Young, I would love to hear that conversation again.
2: Okay, so, thanks for the call. And uh, gentlemen,
11: so please go ahead. Interesting questions there. Yeah, yeah Joe raised a number of of, of points. Um, on the question of, of Texas versus the United States, there they're competing constitutional um, uh, language that, that 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 are brought to bear. The the question of immigration, constitution gives the question of immigration squarely to the federal government. But it does make an exception for a state if a state is invaded. And so the, then the question becomes, what exactly is an invasion and how, how, how one defines that? I'm not sure we get much help from the uh, Barbary pirates uh, to which Joe was referring. Uh, for one thing, there there, there were no um, state actors helping them out. Uh, they, were, they were pirates and they weren't in, in this hemisphere, but they did interfere with American and other shipping. Um, on, on the point of view of uh, Jimmy Carter and Cyrus Vance and Andrew Young, uh, th- there are certain similarities, but uh, again, as as Mark Twain said, uh, history uh, doesn't repeat itself, but sometimes it rhymes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. All uh, right. Let's get another call in.
2: Unless, uh, do you have a comment, or should we go to our next call?
10: No. Uh, the most memorable statement from Andrew Young was a reference to Khomeini, at the time of Iranian Revolution, that he's a saint and a holy man. <laughs> yeah. you know, this is when self-projections go nuts. That is, he looked at Martin Luther King, and, and he looked at uh, Bishop Tutu in South Africa, and he thought, well, here is the Bishop Tutu of Iran. Uh, the only difference was, I think, uh, Khomeini killed about Fifty thousand people more than Bishop Tutu would have ever
2: dreamt of. <laughs> All right, let's get yeah. Di- let's get Diane on the line. Diane, good morning. You are on Talkback. Thanks for holding. Please go ahead.
6: Good morning, and thank you so much for taking my call. Um, this rolls back to kind of just uh, when Myrdad was discussing earlier about how the you know swiftness with with which uh, Iran might become a nuclear armed country, um, given that it's clearly inevitable at this point um would you mind um kind of comparing and contrasting the danger that that represents um compared with the same in north korea for instance and just you know um how one or the other is better controlled uh, etc um just some
2: comments on that Okay, thank you diane I'll thanks just for just call the call please. gentlemen please go ahead miradad
10: yeah i think uh you have very similar regimes uh in North Korea and Iran, um, both fanatical and both uh, fiercely um, and dogmatically anti-U.S. and anti-West. And uh, the, the thing that, uh, and both, by the way, backed by Russia and China, there are a lot of similarities. Uh, one of the few countries, uh, the quote-unquote supreme leader of Iran has visited because he hasn't visited many countries and for the last forty years he hasn't given a single interview but one of the few countries he actually uh, visited was north korea and uh, iran looks at north korea as the ideal state you know it has the nukes and it has the backing of russia and china it doesn't hold any elections it does not recognize any form of human rights and uh, It basically violates the rights of its citizens on a daily and hourly basis. Um, The only thing I would add is that uh, in the case of Iran, you might even have a more dangerous regime because uh, it's a messianic Islamist regime. It believes in the return of the Mahdi, or the promised messiah in Shia Islam. And the regime in Iran believes that it actually, ideologically, it represents uh, the the future savior or messiah on earth and one of its uh, missions, as stated many times, is the destruction of the state of Israel before his return. Uh, so go and figure. Uh, this is the regime by uh, uh, with which we were trying to negotiate a new nuclear deal and we released billions of dollars and of course uh, they all went to the Bank accounts and flushed with uh, money from United States, they actually uh, supplied Hamas with the most sophisticated technology. Um, um, this is where I think the U.S. foreign policy has failed miserably. I'm very sorry to say that.
8: Well, that
2: we're, we're up against a break. We have Ted, Nancy, and Emmett all waiting to visit with you, gentlemen. This is Clacia just uh, came on to the program. This is a program called Global Hotspots. We're specifically talking about what's going on uh, uh, in the Middle East right now. But we may go uh, different directions if, uh, if the possibility arises. So we're going to come right back with more talk back and more of our callers in a moment.
4: Need to replace your Social Security card? In most states, you can request one online with a My Social Security account. A My Social Security account gives you secure access to your personal earnings history and benefit status. You can also get a proof of income letter, estimate and apply for benefits, and more. Save time. Go online. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov myaccount. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow produced at U.S. taxpayer expense.
2: We're back on TalkBack. Seven two one twelve ninety 1290 is our number. Let's continue on, get more phone calls in on global hotspots. Ted has been waiting the longest. Ted, good morning, and thank you for holding, sir. Please go ahead.
1: Yeah, uh, at the beginning of the Gaza War, I called in and I made a prediction, sadly, with a heavy heart, that the next Jewish Holocaust would be at the hands of Turkey and not Iran. You guys are looking at the wrong enemy. Uh, he, the, the only country that can take over Israel and that wants to is Turkey. And it's with a heavy heart that I today make another prediction because I predict the future and I'm never wrong. And that the United States will let Turkey do it. Our hatred for Russia is much greater than our love for Israel. Israel has always been... A, mil- a, a proxy military base for the West, but the gatekeeper to the Mediterranean and Black Sea is Turkey, and we will always be subservient to them. So thank you guys very much for my well, okay
2: Okay, um, all right, uh, interesting comments, gentlemen. Uh, Myrdad, go ahead, please.
10: Yeah, I, I, I have a little bit of doubt about that uh, scenario. You know, it it takes some discussion. But uh, for Turkey to pose any major threat to Israel, there is Syria in between uh, in terms of territory. Turkey is also a member of the NATO. I don't know if the uh, other members of the NATO would even allow Turkey to make that kind of destructive move. But uh, it is true that Erdogan um, is an ideologically fanatical Islamist. He's basically the version of Muslim Brotherhood in Turkey. You know, he wears a suit and tie, but he's a religious fanatic, and I think and I believe he's an anti-Semite. And he has turned Turkey from a semi-democratic path it was taking uh, for decades into a very dictatorial and authoritarian regime. Uh, but uh, it's a member of NATO and it's, uh, it is considered to be a valuable ally for the United States, especially watching Iran to the east and the Arab world to the south.
11: The, the one thing that, uh, that I would add to what meredith said uh, is that um, it's, it's important to be a little careful about generalizations like Israel has always been uh, a military outpost for the West. Um, Early on in its history, the West did not supply arms to Israel. In fact, the main supplier of arms to Israel in the War for Independence was uh, was Czechoslovakia. And early on, the Soviet Union briefly was a supporter of Israel, and um, things, think, things shift. And uh, uh, obviously, uh, the, the Suez War in 1956, and particularly the uh, Seven-Day War in 1967, um, shifted that a lot. And uh, as, as the Soviets... Uh, more and more began to back uh, uh, the Arab nations, but um, uh, again, the, the, these broad generalizations require a, some some nuance.
1: All right,
10: let's go. Yeah, and I, I think we we always uh, tend to say, "Oh, Israel has always been backed by United States." Yeah, as as late as 1967 June War, uh, if uh, Israel used any uh, foreign technology. It was actually Mirage jet fighters yeah. uh, produced by France, not the United States.
2: Okay, let's get Nancy on the line. Nancy, thank you for holding for so long. We apologize for that, but uh, you're on. Please go ahead.
8: Okay, thank you for taking my call again. Okay, I have a theory. I believe that if a war between Iran and the United States does begin... Uh, It will start on American soil. And the reason is is that uh, open border has been open for decades. I mean, don't just blame the Democrats. The Republicans are just as... uh Uh, Guilty of keeping it open george uh, bush jr uh, was supposed to build uh 750 miles of border wall he had the funds and he got the uh the vote and of the congress and also senate uh speaker paul ryan fought against uh president trump and his border security we have a built-in army already here of terrorists and also the chinese i just want to remind everybody that last year 24,000 young Chinese males were caught entering our country illegally, and we are being warned periodically by uh, FBI Director Christopher Wray that every day the Chinese are attempting to uh, hack into our our electrical grids, our uh, water plants, and also our transportation systems. So, and uh, just uh, also in Venezuela, the Hamas that is uh, funded by Iran, they're uh, training the Mexican cartel how to build tunnels. And the Hamas are are experts uh, at tunnel making. And um, so, I believe the war will actually start right here on American soil. What do you think?
11: All right, uh, Nancy, thanks for the call. Gentlemen, please go ahead. Mike? Uh, It's hard to predict the future. um, And... Um, i i, I don 't know I, I think just um, taking a wild guess if there if there were to be some eruption of a war between the United States and, and Iran or it's, uh, or a broader a broader war it 's most likely to be some lieutenant somewhere on the spot making a, a decision that goes wrong, um, than uh, there 's something like that, although it, it's the 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 security on the southern border certainly is. Uh, a major concern and it uh, and I think it's important to realize that although nancy 's point is well taken that the border has been um open to one degree or another for a very long time has never been open the way it 's been for the last three years up
10: yeah i think i think I think a war with an open warfare we are in a war in some ways, but uh an open war between two armed forces, Iran and the United States, is highly unlikely. Uh, the Iranian regime is obsessed with only one thing survival, and they do need a conflict with the United States because that 's all they can uh, they can do at this point to blame everything, every problem from impl- inflation to unemployment to horrible economic situation uh, on it 's united States always the scapegoat, and uh, they 're using this war also to Blame everything on the United States and Israel um, being present in the region. That's how they need it. They do not need to be destroyed by the United States. So they are doing everything in their power uh, to irritate, agitate, ignite uh, confrontations here and there, um, but not directly to the point that the United States will destroy the military capability of the regime in Tehran.
2: With that, we're, we're, we're up against a break. 721-1290 is our number, and we have Emmett and Dave both waiting very patiently. They've been on before, so they uh, agreed to wait till the, we got all of our other callers on. So we're going to come right back. We do have other phone lines open on this global hotspots and another 18 minutes to visit about either this or other hot spots around the globe. And I know Michael's has been wanting to shift gears a little bit. Maybe, perhaps we will. We're going to come right back after this.
0: One more reason. Meet Ingrid, fiery spirit, caring grandma, proud trucker.
12: I've logged more than 4 million miles in my truck. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. I was driving outside of Ohio when a gentleman stopped suddenly in front of me. But it takes my 80,000-pound truck 200 yards to stop. I'd given myself extra room, but it's not a chance worth taking.
7: It's It's our roads. It's It's our our safety. safety. Visit
2: www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. Hey, we're back. This is Talk Back, and this is, of course, Global Hotspots, which continues. A lot of great comments. A lot of uh, new callers have been uh, joining us today. But uh, Emmett has been waiting the longest I know he was on before, and and we appreciate his patience. So, Emmett, uh, what's your comment? Go ahead, please.
12: Well, I have more of a, another question. It follows up with we were talking about, ICBMs. They're harder to get, um, about the ICBMs that Iran would need to deliver the nuclear weapon. But don't doesn't Iran already have ICBMs? That's the only logical thing. It would be illogical to develop the nuclear capability and they say, whoops, we don't have any ICBMs. We need to build them now and take a while. I assume they had ICBMs. So then, they got the nuclear material that they're getting in a few weeks, they can just attach it to the nose cone of the ICBM and launch it to wherever they want, you know, to start the nuclear war, wherever they need to. I assume that. Do you know if they have ICBMs just ready to go once they get the nuclear material or not? That's really the big question. You need to l- deliver the nuclear payload, you know, so right. that's my the question. Thanks for the call. Uh, oh,
11: Iran does Thank have Thank you. Iran does have uh, ICBMs and uh, they've been building them and one of the great flaws with the um, Iran nuclear deal as it's called the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action was that it did not address that issue but it's not quite as simple as just snapping uh, an atomic or, or nuclear device on on top it's of it not one like a Lego things. set, right? Right, exactly. It's, it's, it's a complicated thing and uh, you need to get something that is small enough and and will attach and deploy properly on on one of these things. I'm I'm not an expert on uh, on nuclear weaponry, but it it's it's uh, not quite as simple as just sticking uh, sticking what you've got on top of this. Most of these uh, nuclear devices are fairly large. Yeah, they won't detonate upon launch. Right. Yeah. Well, that's a big <laughs> thing. Anyway,
2: Beardad, uh, go ahead.
10: Yeah. No, it it has limited capability but uh, their missile system, from what I understand, by ICBM, we means intercontinental uh, nuclear capability or ballistic missile capability. It has ballistic missile capability, but it doesn't have intercontinental, which means that it cannot reach United States, for example, Uh, something that uh, North Koreans... Have developed. Uh, and uh, this is one issue. The other one, as Mike uh, mentioned correctly, it's uh, the weaponization and to placing it in a weapon uh, enriched uranium form. Uh, Iran uh, does not have it right now and it's working on it very rapidly. And uh, it is uh, basically, uh, it has purchased, I know that's one. Uh, a number of soviet r-17 scott b short-range ballistic missiles uh, from the libyan government at one point and uh, also from the russians and they are using that model to actually advance their technology
2: okay let's get another caller on this is skip skip thanks for holding you're on talkback please go ahead sir
9: Thank you, Peter, and, and uh, Dr. Meerdad and Dr. Mears, uh Thanks for coming on and discussing all this stuff again. Uh, in the discussion this morning, I hadn't heard anything about what I, I believe is the reason that Netanyahu wants to continue this conflict uh, with Hamas as long as possible. Is Because as soon as it's over, he's in a lot of trouble in other areas. And and the longer it keeps going, the uh, the longer he's he's in he's in charge. Is there any is there any uh, weight to that? Or I, I hadn't heard it discussed, and and uh, I'd like to be corrected if it's incorrect. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for, uh,
11: Skip, thanks I, for the call. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that 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 that's actually the case. I, mean, I think that he does have political problems. They haven't gone away because of this, but they've uh, uh, certainly been submerged. I think that when Everything settles down in in Gaza and wherever else uh, some of these uh divisions or disagreements in Israeli society will come out and also the fact is that although the nation will tend to rally behind a leader in times of crisis and, and this is a uh, as close to a crisis as Israel's had really since since seventy three or, or sixty seven um, but if you if you recall, in after 1973, although the country rallied behind Golda Meir, uh, a couple of years later in an election, she she and Labor were turned out for the first time, and so there there is a consequence to being the party in power when things go wrong. Um, I, I think the main reason that they're still in Hamas, Hamas is still launching missiles toward Israel. Um, that's the reason, uh, you know, the fact that there is a danger to Israeli citizens uh, from Hamas is the reason that they're still there.
10: Okay. Yeah, I think uh, in, a, in a nutshell, uh, Israel is a multi-party democratic system of government. has a basically very, very vibrant uh, democratic political life, free press, very critical... Netanyahu has been uh, criticized on many occasions as a result. However, I think the overwhelming majority of Israelis still uh, want a government which will stand up to Hamas and destroy it. They do not want to go to pre-October 7, 2023. That's why so many Israelis oppose a ceasefire. Ceasefire and then what? Hamas will refuel, will rearm, will reorganize. So as long as the majority of Israelis are for a continuation of campaign against Hamas until it is fully and completely destroyed, Netanyahu will be dead.
11: Net- Meridot's point is, is really well taken. I think Americans, uh, especially some people in, in, in Washington, seem to think that if Naftali or Gans uh, became prime minister, things would change radically. Uh, on this issue, as Meredad said, um, the Israelis are pretty united. Okay, let's get another caller on the line. This is Catherine. Catherine, thank you for holding. You're on
2: TalkBack. Please go ahead.
6: Yeah, uh, good morning. I, yesterday I brought
13: up the uh, Darien Gap and San Vicente, which are the refugee camps or the migrant camps, is, and they function as a staging area uh, for migrants who are on their way to the United States. Um, the U.S. and the uh, administration and the uh, U.N. are funding a lot of this, by the way. Also, Daniel Ortega has been um, providing charter flights specifically to Haitians, but also to other people from all over the world to Nicaragua, which uh, because of their visa policies um, makes it a very uh, good starting point for uh, a lot of the migrants. Uh, could you maybe talk a little bit about that and specifically about San Vicente Camp?
2: I'll tell you what, gentlemen, uh, let, let's take our final break. I want to give you plenty of time to answer that. Thanks for the call, Catherine. We'll come back after this one-minute timeout, and uh, we will, this will be our last timeout, so we're going to come right back in 60 seconds. We are back. This is Talkback. 721 is our number. Okay, gentlemen, we had uh, an interesting question from Skip, so uh, go ahead. Um, actually, we had Catherine. On oh, Catherine, I'm sorry, from Catherine. Please go ahead.
11: Yeah, um, well, I, I think there are a lot of sources for funding for uh, for the migrants, as as she as she mentioned, and um, I, I'm not sure. Again, what what to, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what what one can do about it. I mean, there are there, uh, uh, you don't want people starving in, in in these in these places or on the way to the United States. So uh, it, it's uh, it's a very difficult situation
10: yeah i i think that the model i don't know i mean uh, in terms of exactly um, how to uh, approach this other than the fact that the countries through which the refugees are coming toward the united states border have to have to become proactive and have to work hand in hand in order to prevent this flood and uh, this flood of refugees and uh, Unfortunately, um, aside from some symbolic trips and handshake and, you know, meaningless negotiations, we haven't really done anything in terms of actual serious negotiations with the Mexican governments, with others, Guatemala, Honduras. This is not my field of expertise, but I know that we haven't done enough to understand what this uh, flow is all about and how we can slow it down and address some of the issues that the refugees have before they arrive on the
11: U.S. border. You bet. And, and uh, the Mexican president is perfectly happy to let this flood continue through his country and into the United States so it's not a problem for him. And he seems to enjoy uh, creating some problems for the United States as well.
2: All right, let's get Dolores on the line. I believe first-time caller. Dolores, good morning. Thanks for holding your own talkback. Please go ahead.
6: Yeah, hi, thank you. Good morning and thanks for taking my call. Yeah, a good. Uh, I just have a comment and a uh, nice tie-in to what Catherine uh, had uh, asked about. Uh, I am a Montana snowbird wintering uh, 30 miles from the border in Arizona. I see the white buses constantly coming with tinted windows from the border carrying uh, the migrants to mostly Tucson and Phoenix uh, every day. But uh, I also have uh, friends that are Border Patrol here. And um, just uh, one thing you don't ever hear about and why I would think Mexico would be more concerned is that just the other day, my friend, one of the patrols, Border Patrol agents, um, he uh, let in a a whole big group of people that had leprosy. And um, there's a lot of disease and sickness that he sees every day, he's very concerned about his own health, um, that he has to let through, give them each $5,000 and a phone, and um, just let them through no matter what kind of sickness they have. And that's a big concern. And I would think Mexico would be concerned for that, for people traveling through with all those contagious diseases as well. But it's not mentioned, and it's just a a comment I wanted to make, and um, certainly hear any other additional comments on that, if, if you have any.
2: Dolores, thank you, thank you for the call, and uh, please call again, Uh, gentlemen. Please go ahead. We have exactly
11: five minutes left, so go ahead. Well, I think that um, she's right about disease. This is one of the functions of controlling immigration is to is to control the flood flood of people with diseases and, and to quarantine people before they get in. So you don't get spreads of diseases. And it's not, it's not just some of the more exotics, but some of the things that have been vaccinated for, for many years, but you have an unvaccinated population coming in and uh, you see a recurrence of diseases. This is the first time you've seen that other than in the ring counties of Los Angeles and San Francisco, where rich people are too dumb to get their kids vaccinated. But um, th- th- this is, this is a serious, this is a serious problem. Beard
10: no, I I completely agree, and I think uh, uh, aside from the spread of uh, diseases, I think I'm I'm also equally concerned about the kind of people uh, at times that are coming. You know, we had these uh, basically military-age males uh, from countries um, whose governments uh, basically hate us. You know, there's Chinese. You know, there's Iranians. You know. And uh, as, as, an, uh, as an Iranian who is now proudly a citizen of the United States, I know we had to go through years of um, FBI, you know, and security and, uh, you know, a check, and also preparing ourselves for exams to become citizens of the United States. And I just don't recognize this system as a system that I went through myself, which is, uh, and it, it astonishes me every time I... I here and I see the images of the flood of refugees who are just coming in without any any restriction
2: well, gentlemen, we have, we have reached a point where we, we need to make some closing statements. Dave, I apologize. We couldn't get you back on, but perhaps another, another time we'd, we'd love to have you, uh, during open phones to express your thoughts. Uh, but thank you for, you guys, all you listeners, you've made this a, a terrific program. Thank you for all of your comments and questions and calls. We appreciate it. So, uh, all right. Uh, final words, uh, real quick.
8: Uh, no, I oh, well, want yeah, Mike to actually
10: yeah. talk about the book. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Let's talk about yeah. the book. Thank uh, you, Nick.
11: Uh, thanks, Nick. Uh, the the, um, the next book that we'll be discussing is an older book, but one that's still very relevant. It's E.D. Hirsch, H-I-R-S-C-H, and the book is called Cultural Literacy. It was published by Houghton Mifflin back in 1987. Um, it's, it's, it, it, it's an interesting book uh, for a variety of reasons, but his basic argument is... That just making out the words doesn't make you literate anymore, that you need to have a context for it, and that, that there are certain ba- markers, there are certain things that educated people or literate people know and, are, and need to know in order to be able to read successfully. Uh, for example, if someone says um, that's his Moby Dick, you, you don't need to be an expert on Melville, but you need to have some idea right. that, the, that the novel is about obsession or what the 19th century called monomania. Uh, just yesterday, Meredad made a, a reference. He said somebody had the patience of Job. And you know, again, you don't need to be a major theologian, but you right. need to know the Bible story in order to make sense out of that. Otherwise, if you read that, you're completely illiterate. And that, that's the point her is making is that it's a question of content as well as skills and it, it's, a, um, it's an interesting book it's, it's highly relevant for today and the, it will be talking about it on February 19th. Sounds good
2: uh, Mirdad and Michael thank you so much uh, any, any quick words before we let you go?
10: Mirdad. No thank you as always to you and to Nick to, and to all our listeners and those who made fabulous calls and asked fabulous questions <laughs>
2: All right, all right. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Doctor, Doctor Mayor. Good to have you. It's good. To all be right. Here. So, so, Mister Nick, what's coming up on tomorrow's fabulous program, sir? With one minute left in our time
3: together. <laughs> okay, I'll drag it on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. From eight ten to eight twenty, we're gonna uh, revisit with our folks um, for our battle to beat cancer. That event that's coming up here in a couple months. Uh, so we'll do a quick ten minute talk with them, and then from eight thirty to ten, it'll be uh, Doctor Patrick Barkey. He's the director of the Bureau of Business and Economic Research at UM. So we'll talk about all things the economy. And again, uh, another very
2: popular guest. We we look for our phone lunch to be full up with that as well. So, gentlemen, thank you uh, so much for sharing your expertise. And again, thank you to all the callers. Yeah, The callers really hit it out of the park, and we very much appreciate uh, you taking advantage of... uh, of this program. So, yeah, that's what uh, Global Hotspots and all the other special programming that we have, uh, with the Montana World Affairs Council as well. So, get out there and, and make it a great day, and uh, we will see you tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Uh, of course, uh, Ace Sour Wine will be behind the microphone for Montana Morning. So, till then, have a great day, everyone.